Ladies and gentlemen, stop the presses. A signing has been made. Of course, I'm talking about the Philadelphia Union acquiring Hamira Montero from uh, FC Mets. Oh, wait, no, that's not why we're talking. The Philadelphia Phillies signed Bryce Harper, ladies and gentlemen. I know I know the signings. They're essentially the same thing. But don't worry. We're here to talk Bryce Harper. We'll save Hamira Montero for another day, another episode. I'm Russ Joy. Follow me on Twitter, at Joy on Broad, and I'm joined by Crossing Broad's baseball expert, the man himself. He doesn't need your chicken tenders to be happy. He doesn't need your chicken tenders to know what's going on with the Philadelphia Phillies. His name is Bob Wankel, and you can find him on Twitter at BW Crossing Broad. Bob, you are referencing the uh, little Twitter spat I had with a certain former Phillies beat writer a year ago on opening I was, day. Yeah, wow, I was I was not uh, I was not going to reveal that. I didn't want to pull back the curtain too much. But no, I, that's you know, fine. I, look, no. Um, we don't need to name names. It's just, uh, you know, people can find, they can find that little spat. Did he block you? He blocked you, yeah, right? Yeah, he blocked me. I think he's the only person on Twitter to ever block me. Like, Buddy, I you and I, I both find... have one person who blocked us. That's, that's a real, a real good feeling. Uh, like, I'm feeling. pretty, I don't know. Like, I guess I could be annoying on Twitter. Like, I'm not saying, like, I'm some great follow, but I don't feel like I'm a blockable kind of guy. But, yeah, we got into it, and, uh, yeah, you know. Oh, well, that's exciting. Look at that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's not missing much. I'm definitely not missing much from him. I can say that. So whatever. You're out there, you know, running the betting, the betting content side of yeah, CrossingBroad.com yeah. like, over at the, the broad lines. The gambling and, mastermind of Crossing and, uh, Broad. Yeah. And, and he's doing, I don't know what. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> okay. Anyway, you know, hats off to him. I'm sure he listens, so he'll know. <laughs> And uh, I'm sorry to you, fella. Uh, anyway, let's talk about the uh, the biggest signing in Philadelphia sports history, or at least uh, the modern Philadelphia sports history. And of course, that's the fly or the Flyers. <laughs> Good God, yeah, you're just I'm so used for to that. this yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back in to uh, Crossing Broadcast, the only Philadelphia Five for Five podcast. All right. Anyway, um, yeah. Look, a 13-year, 330 million dollar deal. And of course, uh, for the people who haven't heard the episode yet, I don't know why you wouldn't have listened to it yet, but. Uh, Bob and Anthony did an excellent episode of Crossed Up. Yes, that's right. They held off for two weeks so that episode 34 could be the Bryce Harper episode. And it just so happened that they they went out, they recorded it. It was fantastic. So go give that a listen if you haven't already. Because we're going to allude to things that those guys said on that episode. I'm kidding. We're not. Uh, All right, Bob. Give the people the spiel. Uh, well, you know what? I actually want to start by asking you a question because like, I love baseball and you know, I think that there are a lot of people in this city that are big time baseball fans and a move like this will bring them back. Now, you and I have had the conversation over the last year, year and a half that, you know, baseball is a little bit of a dying sport. It needs to kind of adapt. It really just doesn't hold your attention. And and if we're being honest, I mean, you you kind of have a, a rough idea of what's going on with the Phillies. But, like, this has not been your, your primary concern over the past, you know, what, five, six years. You're a Sixers guy. You certainly know what's going on with the Eagles. You, you do a great Flyers podcast. But the Phillies are kind of like an afterthought for you. So let me ask you. Does this signing of Bryce Harper bring a guy like you back? A guy that's like a Philly sports fan but just – isn't really a, a baseball guy by nature. Well, you, you know, I, I guess uh, I could love baseball in the way that you can love something that's dying. Um, you know, I, I guess I could love it the same it's way not that, a, dying. That, that, a, that a linguist would love Latin. Come on, merchandise uh, sales are up 5,000% from yeah, last year. Well, they're up 5,000% the because nobody wanted to buy a damn thing last year because the team was time, trash. Russ. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, go ahead. Get your Michael Franco jerseys. Only only 30% off at Motel Sporting Goods. <laughs> yeah, those yeah, Altair jerseys I mean, were flying off I mean, the racks look, last year. When, when you're in the basement and you're not selling anything, I mean, 5,000% really does sound great, doesn't it? I'm just yeah. kidding. Look, how are you going to hold this against me as if, like, I don't know about Adam Halsey or, like, J- or Jojo Ramiro or... 
Enel de los Santos. Like, come on, man. No, like, listen, that's, oh, that was good. Hurtful. That was very okay. impressive, though. Listen, yeah. man, like, come on. No, I'm not come saying on. that you're come like on, completely. Like, in- <laughs> I'm not listen. saying that you're completely oblivious. I'm just saying that, you know, it's just not your your first priority. Like, there are a lot of people that watch the Phillies because they love baseball, and most yeah. of them are over the age of 60. And and then there's me. But, you know, <laughs> probably, probably logged a strong 130. The hair of a man over 60. I'm yeah. just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> come the on. Commenters. Yeah, I mean, you know, I probably logged 130, 140 games last year, so nothing's really going to change in terms of, of my attention to it. But, you know, does this does this move certainly bring baseball back in the city? I mean, of course it does. And you know what? I think that there are a couple different ways that, that we have to look at this. The NL East, and, and let's kind of get past the, you know, it's great for the city, it's great for the fans, he's going to hit in Citizens Bank Park. I think that we all understand that. Adding Bryce Harper to this lineup, I think certainly is going to make the Phillies a significantly better offense when you pair that with the additions of JT Romuto, Gene Segura, uh, Andrew McCutcheon. This this lineup is night and day from a year ago. And so I think that that's pretty well established at this point. But the question is going to become, and very soon, when we get to the end of March here, are the Phillies the team to beat in the National League East? And yeah, the betting odds suggest that they are. Um, you know, some of the markets have them at 88.5, 89.5 wins. And you figure if they eclipse that, they're going to make the postseason for the first time since 2011. But is this team really actually the most talented in the National League? And I, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know that it is. I don't. I don't want to say that it's not definitively. Oh, thanks. But I didn't realize I was doing a podcast with Anthony Sanfilippo, yeah, Mister Mister Happy himself. But like, you know what? On, like, I mean, if you've been reading the website for the last, I don't know, uh, the last five six days, I mean, we've been very very positive, and I've had a great time with this. I mean, the move is fantastic. I'm excited. I love the move. I love that the Phillies were able to close the deal. But now I'm kind of getting back to that practical side of things where I look at it and go. This team should be a hell of a good time to watch this year. I I think that they're going to light up the scoreboard. I think that they're going to be one of the best offenses in the National League, certainly the deepest offense uh, in the National League. So there's a lot to like. I just wonder what does it mean moving forward? Are they a playoff team? And and that's really what I'm starting to gravitate towards. Of course they are, really. Of course they Uh, are, yeah. I mean, look, you you asked me originally, is this something that brings me back to baseball? Yeah, it does. I I think it would be unfair to say that I've been totally checked out on the team these last few years. Um, You know, there was a time where I was locked in for all nine innings of a 162-game season. Um, I I think where I was at last year was probably around 90 games. Um, I would say that I watched probably parts of over 100. Um, It's it's hard. You know, it's hard when you have when you have like toddlers. That's the thing that I think changes the the, uh, the the calculus here. I mean, is it is it one thing to like have the game on in the background? Yeah, but like I like to be actively involved. I have a hard time watching a game and and not really like keeping up with it, right? Like I, I kind of live and die with every pitch. Now, here's the thing. This is why I think the casual baseball fan is going to get back into it. This Phillies team has been so abysmal at the plate for the last few years. There There have been so few guys that you can say consistently are somebody that you need to tune in for that inning. You know, we're it, it's insane to think about, but we're 11 years removed, going on 11 years removed from the World Series win. You know, we're, we're probably, what, eight years removed from there being a time where, like, Ryan Howard and Chase Utley were must-see TV. You yeah, know? And I think that, that 2012 was the last year, and I know that Howard wasn't he was on the decline of that, so like, but yeah, yeah. But so like 2012 was the last year you could kind of go in and sort of convince yourself like they're going to be a playoff team, they'll be all right, and you know yeah. they fell short that year. But yeah, I mean since 2013, it's been it's been tough. It really so like has look, been. I, I look at this now and I say, as a as a casual fan, 
if you haven't been thrilled with what you've seen at the plate the last few years, like now this this is must see TV, right? Because whatever you project the lineup to be, I don't know if you want to go go up and down the line. Here, let's let's set the lineup really quick. Go, McCutcheon Segura. Right, McCutcheon. Yeah, Segura, I guess there's a lot then, of there's a lot of different ways you could do this. Cesar Hernandez really struggled in the second half of last season, yeah, but him, it came out that he, was, that he was hurt. The, I what, mean, hip, hip flexor strain or whatever. So I, I had made this point with Anthony uh, when we did crossed up. Basically, I kind of felt like last year there, no matter what Gabe Kapler did, and he took a ton of shit. Right, like everyone wanted to just absolutely criticize everything that he did with the lineup. It drove them nuts. The thing was is that he just didn't have an abundance of major league quality hitters in his lineup. So no matter what you want to do with your lineup construction, if you don't have the talent, you're going to be hard-pressed. I mean, the Phillies hit, they were dead last in the major leagues last year with a two thirty four batting average. So, I mean, they they lacked offensive ability. So you can talk about, oh, he should have hit Carlos Santana's, you know, second or fourth, or, you know, they should have hit Reese Hoskins third or fifth. It didn't matter. Because you yeah. had a lineup full of guys that were just just not good enough. Well, now, a- this year, you come in, and you could conceivably put three or four different guys at the top of this lineup. I mean, you could even hit Harper uh, in the leadoff spot in, in some iterations Stop. of this Don't lineup. You dare. Yeah, Don't uh, you, you dare say you that. certainly Stop. could. Stop. You know, guys like Gene Segura could hit leadoff, although I think he's best suited to be in the two-hole. Andrew McCutcheon has leadoff experience. Yeah, so, okay. Cesar so, Hernandez, so McCutcheon- before he got hurt last year, could be a leadoff type of guy. So, I mean, they have a lot of options here. So what? McCutcheon, Segura, and then maybe Harper, Hoskins, Real Muto or or Flip Hoskins and and Harper right, and then and then what? Who hits sixth? Six, seven, eight. Uh, I think that seven and eight is going to be Herrera and Franco uh, okay. in some order. And th- this is the beautiful thing about this lineup, right? Adubel Herrera is is able to get on base. He's able to walk. He's going to be able to now work pitches. Um, Michael Franco is going to be able to swing away because nobody expects anything out of the eight hole hitter, right? And like all of a sudden. You've gone out, and by virtue of, of signing the largest contract in North American sports history, you've done something that the Sixers failed to do. Here, get ready for the uh, cross-sport comparisons. Yeah, sure. This is why I said in the summer, and now obviously it's worked out for the Sixers. Elton Brand's made great trades. You have Tobias Harris, you have Jimmy Butler, whatever. Um, but one of the things that I, I criticized the team for was not getting a, a free agent wasn't just a big deal because of Brett Brown's star hunting comment that Kevin likes to kind of deflect into, you know, star star hunting or star developing with the clear, I always said it was a clear implication they said star hunting. Um, when you don't go out and get one of those guys, now all of a sudden there is a, a magnifying glass that's put on your younger players. Markel Fultz was really like the number one guy, right? Because if you'd gone out and gotten Paul George or LeBron James, all of a sudden there's a lot less pressure on Markel Fultz. He doesn't need to perform... Um, he can end up being the, the backup point guard, and while you'd be frustrated, you'd be more focused on that star, right? So that takes eyeballs away. What you have here, and, and like we saw with the Sixers, all of a sudden, it was a ton of pressure on Landry Shamit. It was a ton of pressure on Markel Fultz to be a guy that he still has not proven to be, and I'm not so sure he's going to be, even though today on Twitter he said uh, he doesn't know what quit means. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to quit something when you've never started. Anyway... Um, I, I look at this now and I say Bryce Harper's addition now allows some of your younger guys to swing away and to not feel a lot of pressure to perform in like the five hole. Michael Franco all of a sudden can can actually relax, play an, a, a solid third base for you, uh, you know, crush a few homers, right? And like there's not a ton of pressure on him. I look at a guy like Scott Kingery. I've never been like this big Cesar Hernandez is like supposed to be a piece of this team for the next three, four years. I just don't see it. If Scott Kingery can come in and hit in the seven or eight hole and and like whatever he gives you is a plus, that's awesome, man. 
and like I again, like I, I I'm gonna continue to beat the drum that I want to see Scott Kingery get actual minutes uh, and like get actual innings. I don't want him to just be the super utility guy. I think Cesar Hernandez ultimately should be that super utility dude. And and let Scott Kingery actually like start to carve out a little bit of a niche in this lineup. That's what you should do. It's it's what's best for your organization going forward. Whether or not he earns that time in spring training, I guess will be you know remain to be seen. But this is like one of those huge things that you needed to do. Harper takes all that pressure off. And now all of a sudden, like, that also takes pressure off that staff that was overtaxed last year and, quite frankly, overperformed. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about the bottom of the lineup. I mean, Mike Alfranco, he's an interesting case. I mean, the guy struggled in 2016, 2017, and a lot of us, I think, were ready to move on from him. And people forget that he's 26 years old. I mean, he's going into his age 26 season. Guy hit 270 a year ago with an OPS 780. So, I mean, if he can replicate those numbers out of the bottom of the order and out of the seven hole, out of the eight hole, all of a sudden you're going to have a, a renewed appreciation for a guy like Mike Alfranco. Franco. The problem is, is that when he was supposed to be the savior and he's hacking away in the three and four hole and he's not getting it done, you go like, this guy underwhelms me. But now if you have guys like Real Muto, Harper, McCutcheon, uh, Segura, when you when you protect and, and that becomes the core of your lineup and then Franco is sort of like a, you know, like an ancillary piece, all of a sudden you go, this guy's pretty damn good. And even you look at a guy like Odubel Herrera, and I know he's hurt right now, but he was arguably the best player in the National League for the first two months of the 2018 season. Now, he fell off a cliff, but you his, his talent is undeniable. I know that people in this city don't love him. I know that he loses focus from time to time. There's been hustling issues, all the things that don't play in Philadelphia. But again, when you talk about having that type of talent down at the bottom of your order... I don't know that the Phillies have the best offense in the National League, but that's what I mean when I say they might have the most depth. When you look yep. at this lineup, one to eight, I mean, those are good hitters in the seven and eight hole. We're a long, long way away from Peter Borges, you know, and yep. and guys and, like and that. And needing guys like Ezreal Cabrera to come in and, like, right the ship. And people, I think, kind of, I would say they almost underestimate what it's like for opposing pitchers to have to grind every single out every single batter in the lineup you go this guy can hurt me this guy has a unique skill set this guy has the potential to take me deep I mean and that's really what the Phillies offense now is one through eight and you can factor in guys like Roman Quinn again injury injury concerns here wish, early God, in March and God healthy. it's just a shame he can't stay healthy but what a what an excellent top of the top of the order guy he there is a uh, there was a uh, update on him today actually um He's out with the oblique strain, and they uh, do think that he's improving a little bit more quickly than they initially had anticipated. And opening day is still a realistic possibility for Roman Quinn. So it's we'll see what he's, happens there. He's but Michael Neuver. Yeah, I mean, I just your, you just don't. Yeah, another cross sport uh, reference. That's good. I actually now, have a good one lined up. So I mean, but. again, the depth of the lineup is is outstanding, and I think that that's what we should be most excited about. I mean, you said it. The last couple of years of the Phillies have been tough to watch just because, frankly, that they've been impotent offensively. Well, when's and, the last time that you could actually think of this team having a legit shot to put up a crooked a crooked number? You know, you're down oh, yeah. three runs in the seventh inning. The last well, that few was years, was like, amazing that's, about, that's a death sentence. That was now, what was amazing sudden, about like, the you know, 06, 07 Phillies. You know, they would fall behind 3 nothing, 4-1 early in the game, and you kind of said, don't sweat it. You know, last year, you fell behind 3 nothing, 4-1. The game was over. Yep. You know, and there were so many nights, especially in the first half of the season, where they completely wasted quality pitching performances by their starters. And, you know, not to say that they're going to be totally immune from that this season, but I, I do think that they are certainly going to, to just – 
absolutely turned the tables in terms of offensive output this season. And the one thing about Bryce Harper that's kind of interesting, and you talk about how do you construct the lineup, and the conventional wisdom is to sort of you know put Harper between Hoskins and Real Muto so you have that righty-lefty-righty look. And I'm sure that the Phillies will do that at times this season. But the one thing that's kind of nice about Bryce Harper is that he can hit left-handed pitching. Like His numbers aren't overwhelming, but over his career, he's a 258 hitter against lefties, and he has a 796 OPS against left-handers. So it's not like... He's some, you know, split-heavy guy where, oh, you know, if he, if he can only hit righties, you know, you really have to be cautious about those matchups. So, I mean, he holds his own against left-handed pitching, and he's, he's been fairly successful. So having that type of ability um, really gives Gabe Kapler a ton of flexibility. And it may take him a while, you know, a couple weeks to really figure out which one of these lineups is going to be best suited. But I don't expect the Phillies to tinker with the lineup as much this season because they have real, usable, above-average quality parts and I you know I think that Gabe Kapler's lineups are going to look a lot better this year because of it Uh, and so maybe that won't be this just you know focal point an obsession for fans to complain about this season and by virtue of them improving the lineup you've now taken a lot of pressure off the rotation and and this is where I think when you look at what happened to this team last year I think the underlying numbers there for the offense, uh, it wasn't like they were outperforming, like they, they were pretty awful for a good chunk of the season. You had a rotation that were, were hitting above their weight class. Aaron Nola was an absolute stud. He he essentially announced himself as being a Cy Young candidate. Jake Arrieta, first half of the season, not bad until, when was it that he uh, allegedly might have torn his meniscus? Yeah, he was not, miserable in June. Uh, he was so, really bad in June, and then he bounced back in July, and then August, September was a, were disasters. And I remember like all the Nick Pavetta conversations on the podcast over on Crossed Up last year. Like they, You look at this and you think, all right, this pitching staff was able to overcome a lot of things. They were able to hit above their weight class, and this is my last cross-board comparison for the day. But like underlying numbers, right? So you've got... A rotation last year that for the most part was playing or was pitching a lot better than you would expected um, and it was able to pick up an offense that really was was underwhelming then all of a sudden if the offense is able to get it together then you know if you're able to get both things going everything's great you kind of look at what happened with uh, with the Flyers this season early on the underlying numbers at least offensively weren't that great but you knew that the goaltending was so bad that if they ever got anybody competent, all of a sudden the team would would potentially hit on you know go on the rise. And that's what ended up happening, you know. It and it's just like you get one thing that stabilizes and isn't enough to take some pressure off the other side, and all of a sudden you've got a team that can actually compete. So what I look at here is, you know, if you're a Nick Pavetta or a Zach Eflin, and you go out and you give up three runs in the first, all right, it sucks. Shake it off, and now you know that your offense is going to be able to go out and get it back for you in the bottom of the first. Or that by like the fourth inning, they're going to put runs up. The likelihood of this of this offense getting shut out on a game-in, game-out basis is just so minute. I mean, it, it's so minuscule. It would take, you know, a, an Andrew McCutcheon coming out of the gate, uh, you know, stumbling, to, to put it lightly. It would take Michael Franco being an absolute, you know, player devoid of, of any kind of talent. It would take Gene Segura, you know, I, I don't know, playing well below his career averages to not do well. It would take Bryce Harper putting the weight of the world on his shoulder and, and coming out and hitting like 176 to start the season. You know what I mean? Like, I just, you can have guys in this lineup struggle and still be able to pick them up. Yeah, that's and I think beauty. that, yeah, that you just you just took my point. That's, you know, that's exactly it. Last year, if a guy like Reese Hoskins went into a slump, it was, it was brutal. You know, it was really hard to overcome that. They can afford for one or two of these guys to slump 
you know, there because there's so much depth there. So there is the ability to kind of pick one another up. And, you know, it's interesting that you brought up the starting pitching because I think that that is the element of this team that we're all sort of overlooking now. And you talked about that they kind of pitched above their heads in the first half of last season. And I'm glad you brought that up because I actually looked up some numbers um, from the first half to the second half. And I mean, numbers all, guy. Yeah, we yeah. all know that the Phillies fell off a cliff in the second half, but I think that the real travesty of the 2018 Phillies were that they got off to the start that they did and they were in first place at at points in July they actually had the ability to extend that lead they should have been up more than they were and if they had a competent offense they would have been the starting pitching last year for the Phillies in the first half prior to the all-star break was outrageous you know and I'll just throw some numbers at you here but over 95 games the starters were 37 and 29 they had the third highest war of all starting staffs in Major League Baseball they were top 10 in strikeouts per nine Um, they were the fifth best team in terms of limiting walks per nine innings they were the second best team in keeping the ball in the yard they only allowed .93 homers per nine. Um, they had a 3.72 ERA, which was the sixth best in the major leagues, third best FIP, uh, 3.54, and opponents only hit 2.37 against them. And they were fifth best in WHIP, 1.2 WHIP. And so these numbers are all just elite. You know, they're up there with the Dodgers and the Astros and the elite teams of Major League Baseball. In the second half. They, they regressed. And not that they were god-awful, but they did struggle. And really, outside of Aaron Noel, they all struggled. And you got to keep in mind, he was, he was, what, third in the NL in Cy Young voting a year ago. And consider these numbers and how bad this team was in the second half. I mean, the walks, they skyrocketed to th- uh, 3.09. That was the 10th most in Major League Baseball. They started giving up home runs at a higher frequency, 1.7 homers per nine. That was the 10th highest. They had the 11th worst ERA, the 15th worst FIP. P. They were, uh, you know, just they just weren't very good. 21st in whip. And I could throw all these numbers at you, but what these numbers illustrate is that either they got tired because they were going through their first major league season, a lot of them, and, and throwing innings that they weren't accustomed to previously, or they just simply got figured out. And I don't quite think it's that because I do think that a lot of these guys have high ceilings. Anthony and myself are really up on Nick Pavetta. We think that he has a chance to be a a special pitcher. Uh, I think he has top of the rotation stuff. I expect Jake Arrieta to bounce back this season. I really do. Um, I'm not as bullish on guys like Eflin and Velasquez, but I still think that they have some value and they can certainly pitch. I, I think they're closer to the pitchers they were early in the season than the ones they were at the end of the season. So I do like the starting staff more than most. It's just that there's so much volatility and so many unknown elements to it that you just wish there was a little bit more certainty. Like if you could slot in one more guy that you know is going to be a 15 to 17 game winner, you know that it's going to have a a 3-3 or, you know, an ERA that hovers in the threes, a guy that's going to be a, you know, nine and a half strikeout per nine inning guy. Like if you had that guy that's done it for a while, I think you'd feel a lot better about what the Phillies have, but they do have guys with potential. And so I think that going into the season, though it may not shake out for all of them, there's enough there that I think you can go into it and say they should perform reasonably well to keep us in it. And then when we get to the trade deadline, we can sort of assess where we're at. And if we need to add specifically from the left side, we can do it. Bob, do you hear that? Do you hear that? that? What's that? Over on the left side. I, I, I feel like I hear, wow, is that, is that the voice of Scott Boris? Sign Keuchel. Ah. Sign Keuchel. Give him $30 million a year. Yeah, I'm Give him out. $30 million a year. So Dallas Keuchel 
the market form has never has never really seemed to to get established, right? Like it's a weird waiting game. It, it, it's almost like what happened with Jake Arrieta last year. And I get that Scott Boris was obviously preoccupied with the Bryce Harper negotiations, but what number would you be comfortable with? I know that on the site, you've you've said a few times that there was a post that I did that I, I wanted to elicit your feedback, but <laughs> at, at what point, at what price point, at what year uh, are you comfortable with the concept of them pursuing Dallas Keuchel um, to fill in that, that spot from the left side in the rotation? I just don't know that he offers more upside than what you have. And what if we change his name to Philly Keuchel? Does that all of a sudden change <laughs> things? It doesn't because, uh, you know, my guy Dallas Goddard, you know, like Philly Goddard. <laughs> um, news. I will tell you this. My biggest concern, though I, I would like a left-handed uh, pitcher in this starting rotation, is just that there are red flags with Dallas Keuchel. And I don't want to get into a situation where you're carrying a contract with him. He's 35, 36 years old. So four or five-year deal, I'm out completely. I'll, Two I'll to pass. three? Now, two to three, it really just depends about the money at that point. If I can get Dallas Keuchel at two years, $22 million, like at that point, that may be something I explore, but at the expense of who, right? So like Aaron Noll is a lock, Jake Arrieta is a lock, Nick Pavetta to me is a lock. Then things open up a little bit more. So do you want to bump Vince Velasquez? Do you want to bump Zach Eflin? Like, so that's, Ooh, let's, that's let's what the Vince Phillies Velasquez, have to... Because there's, there's another way I want to go with that. But okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so th- that's really what the Phillies kind of have to ask themselves. And is that worth another $10 million to $15 million a season commitment? And I still don't even know what Dallas Keuchel's expectations are. Like, I mean, I don't know if this offseason has been a reality check for him and he's like okay maybe I'm a 10 million dollar a year guy and I thought I was a 20 million dollar a year guy like I really don't know maybe he takes a one or two year deal uh you know for a little bit more money um, yeah so what if the Phils offer two years 50 a two years 50 oh no yeah I mean no. you, you know uh, t- dude Dallas you know Keuchel's not a 25 million dollar right, so let's pitcher. say he's two years not. 40 Two years, 40. No, I'm out. Like, two okay. years, 20. Like, it would have to be just a complete steal where the market just plays itself out in a way that you say, this guy is good enough that I'm willing to make that type of short-term, relatively cheap commitment. My biggest thing with Dallas Keuchel, and like, don't get me wrong, lefties are weird. And just because you reach 30, 31 years of age doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to just fall off the cliff. Like guys like Cole Hamels were, you know, really struggling. And then you look at the second half that Hamels had last season and he's even older. And then you look at guys like Jay Happ who have sort of maintained their, you know, production into their mid thirties. It, it happens, right? So like, I'm not telling you like, oh, stay away because he's 30, 31 years old. My problem with Dallas Keuchel really is that the slider specifically, I mean, this is something I kind of looked up and I really thought to myself, like, if I'm going to tell people, like, I don't want Dallas Keuchel, like, I got to be prepared to tell them why. And my biggest thing with Dallas Keuchel is the slider. And, like, the two previous seasons in 2016-2017, that was a plus pitch for him. So opponents hit 262 against it last season. The two years prior, they hit 171 and 167 against it. And really what that kind of means is he's getting less out-of-zone swings. Like, People aren't chasing his pitches as much, and therefore he's getting more contact made against them. And that's not a good mix. He's not an overpowering pitcher to begin with. And so when I look at this, you're talking about a a guy that's going to be pool heavy. He's going to give up lots of hard contact on the pool side. And 
I'm not real excited about that possibility, especially with what that slider did a year ago. That doesn't necessarily mean, because the velocity hasn't dropped all that much, it doesn't mean that he can't find it again. To me, it's just a bad bet, though, because if he becomes like a one-two-pitch pitcher, that's going to be ugly. I mean, it's going to be really ugly for him. So that's my concern with Dallas Keuchel. The other concern is that the Phillies' defense on the left side isn't great. Now, it's a lot better than it was a year ago. It's better than Mike Alfranco, Scott Kingery, and Reese Hoskins out in left field. But Andrew McCutcheon, who I actually think will play a quality left field for this team, Mike Alfranco, and then Gene Segura, who's still kind of a suspect defensive shortstop. I don't like the idea of, of these guys with pool contact hitting against this defense. I it just it, it, I don't think it's a good mesh for him. I don't think it's a good fit here. So that's my big concern with Dallas Keuchel. I, it's a great name. It's a good idea in theory, but I don't know, man. So let me throw out an idea that I, I really do like, and that is uh, a guy who might choose to sit out the season, according to his agent, and that's Craig Kimbrell. I don't know if there's anything that, that is a more win-now move than going out and signing a legit closer to to now take a little bit of pressure off of um, your offseason acquisition of Dave Robertson and uh, and Sir Anthony Dominguez, right? Like, let's push those guys back, or or I guess you know move them up, and now all of a sudden you have the best seven eight nine, and I God I don't I don't remember since we had uh, Uga Thurbina. I'm just kidding. Oh, He's a free agent, by the way. Oh, I think he just got out of prison. Yeah. So uh, if you have like, a machete and some yeah, gasoline, a by all and a means. Shed and- a gasoline and um, yeah. Pues no es seguro. Lo siento. Anyway, uh, yeah. Look, I, I I really do like the idea of Craig Kimbrell. Uh, I I think it depends on what the deal is. I don't want to go long term on a reliever. I don't think the market is ever going to really set up for that. Um, no pun intended. But maybe like I don't know a three year deal for Craig Kimbrell. Yeah. So he turns thirty one later this year. Um, He's an elite closer. Uh, there's just really no doubt about it. I mean, even in what some kind of considered to be a down season last year, uh, he still had a 2.74 ERA. The FIP was 3.13 strikeouts per nine. I mean, 13.86 strikeouts per nine, and that was actually down from 16.43 in 2017. The issue for Craig Kimbrell last year was twofold. Number one, the control kind of betrayed him. He jumped from 1.83 walks per nine in 2017 to 4.48 walks per nine so the control and it, it just kind of came and went on him uh and he also gave up home runs at a, a at a pace that he just simply hadn't ever before uh he actually gave up more than one homer per nine last year uh and he never even came close to eclipsing that number uh throughout his career so those are two things that i think give teams a little bit of pause i think the age gives teams a little bit of pause but it really, I think this is going to come down to Craig Kimbrell's expectations. I mean, there were some rumors out there earlier in the offseason that, you know, he thought he was going to get a $100 million contract. Uh, I don't think that those expectations are realistic in this market. I don't think that teams value the closer uh, as much. I, I think that that's for sure. And I think that if you can come down and you can get him on a two- or three-year deal, you know, I could see a team signing him to a, I don't know, no, three year, three year, fifty million dollar deal. Like that's maybe fine. that's out there. Some high annual average value. Maybe um, that's the thing that can actually. You know, you went back to one of the first questions you asked. Does this get you the division? Does it make you a legit contender in in the NL? I think if you're able to solidify the back end of that of the uh, the bullpen, then yeah, I, I think that the signing of Craig Kimball really does put a bow on what might be the best Phillies offseason we've ever seen. Like, kudos to Matt Klintak, because I know that he he caught a lot of heat last year um, for 
not going the full hinky model, but like definitely not spending the money that, you know, John Middleton probably could have had him spend. Um, I went and I was reading, uh, was it Matt Gelb for The Athletic wrote the, uh, the pretty definitive history of, of how the Bryce Harper deal went down. Yeah, that was and, a great piece. I mean, like, was, if you haven't read that, so that's something that you, I definitely recommend you go read. And it, it was so good, but, like, Matt Clintock's the reason that the deal got done. You know, like, in, in a sense, like, he ended up kind of mediating between Middleton and uh, and Scott Boris. You know, they had kind of reached that impasse, the other two. And Clintock had to be the one to go return a phone call, and, and really he was the one who – got everything kind of figured out at the end. So, like, kudos to him. And, like, I, I know this is going off on another thing here, but, like, kudos in a sense to Gabe Kapler because for as much heat as the guy caught this offseason for um, some things that went down allegedly while he was with the Dodgers, you look at it and, like, obviously the top free agent on the market is going to care who the manager is. Um, and and Klentak and Kapler came up large in this. I mean, obviously, Middleton came up the biggest with the money. There's... There's no way around it. The biggest contract in North American sports history, like money and years, is going to go a long way. But you're not going to want to play for a team if you think the manager's a total moron, and you're not going to necessarily want to play for a team if you don't think the GM is competent enough to continue to add. If your window for con- for you know contending is is now, so yeah, I agree with that. Uh, one thing I will say about Gabe Kapler, uh, I'm I would say I'm pro Gabe Kapler. You know, I I lean on the side that says you know I think that he just kind of needed to. I think last year was a little bit of a learning process for him. He seems like your kind of guy. He, yeah, he's sort of weird. Uh, quirky. Quirky, yeah. He works like, out. Yeah. I mean, Lathers I up a little bit of baby oil I'm, to get the nice tan. I don't yeah. know how much I've been working out lately, but I'm trying. Um, well, I hope so with all the video you're going to be Yeah, a lot of video. Though. People are yeah. like, that guy has man boobs. I'm like, all right, <laughs> time, time to start doing the chest Remember, flies, man. You never no. saw the movie Eight Crazy Nights, did you? The old Adam Sadler cartoon? Yeah, sure, yeah. Jelly jugs. Next time you come yeah. to my court, you better wear a bra, okay, son? Oh wait, no, that was Adam Sandler's character. He goes, "Oh man, that's right." Whitey Duval says, "Yeah, come on, son." Uh, oh, what was the line? Uh, um, uh, he's just kidding, son. You have very nice boobs. Like that'll be me. I'll I'll go up to the office as you're recording, and the next time you feel self conscious, I'll just you know. Aren't people you, mean? Like people are support. so mean online. Like especially crossing broad commenters. Dude, like, like d- surprise. Does it? Like I don't know. Does it ever get to you? Because, like, I mean, no. I feel like people are really mean to you, actually. No. I, look, it's fine. The Think. Kyle put the uh, the job posting up, which he got skewered for. I, I got not. murdered. Um, he put up that job posting, and he put the line at the end that, like, we even pay Russ. And there was only one comment. I was actually – it's not that I was disappointed, but there was only one. And it was somebody who, like, oh, Russ will do this job. Uh, you know, he granted, he does, like, everything for you. Not well, but he does it. I'm like, well, that's actually kind of a compliment in a way. Right? I mean, it's like the t- it's a total loser mentality, <laughs> sure. but it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, sure. Great. Yeah, it'll yeah, get great. done. Yeah, fine. Great. Um, anyway, we're, 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 well, I think we were talking about, you know, should we sign Craig Kimbrell? Oh, working, oh there we go. Working yeah. out. Gabe Kapler. Yeah. yeah. Back to back to Kimbrell. Well, well listen, like, Gotta so. Got to do it, though. Would you agree that, like, 13.8 strikeouts per nine is, is a pretty good number? Like, you would want that out of a guy out of the back of your bullpen? Yeah, I'm not so sure Vince Velasquez couldn't do. I'm just kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like you, you would probably say that. Like, what if I told you that Hector Neris was striking out over 14 batters per nine innings last year? Like, uh, 
What if I told you that? And what if I told you that Hector Neris had a 2.04 ERA in the second half last year? What if I told you? Yeah, there's going to be a 30 for 30. statistics on... can sometimes be misleading. What if I told ESPN's you that Hector Neris allowed 30. a 172 batting average to opponents last year? I mean, my Stop. point is that Hector Neris actually is as much of a disaster as he was in the middle of the year when they sent him down. He came back, and in the second half of the year, he was outstanding down the stretch. And I don't want to go into it and necessarily say, like, we're going to rely on him to be a big piece of this bullpen, but the potential is there. I mean, you're talking 14.35 strikeouts per nine. That's that's a big arm, and he has swing and miss stuff. In the second half, he struck out half the batters he faced. I mean, he was that nasty. And I think sometimes... You see guys struggle and you say, well, you know, because he struggled once, I don't want to go into it and I don't want to necessarily rely on him. And I get that. But, I mean, they do have guys like Robertson. You certainly have Sir Anthony Dominguez. Pat Neshek is as fickle as he can be. And, you know, you can only use him in certain situations on certain days of rest. Still a very good relief pitcher. Philly's bullpen has some very usable parts. And they've upgraded over the offseason, too. Um, and they've, they've made some additions. So when I look at the Phillies bullpen, the thing that I ask myself is this. Do like I want to allocate another 15 to possibly $20 million a year on a bullpen piece when they're already spending out the gills to begin with now? Is that where I really want to spend my money on that big-armed closer that's turning 31 this year? And so that's my only issue. Again, if the market falls in place where a guy like Kimbrell isn't getting an offer that he's happy with and he wants to take a super short-term deal with a team that he thinks has some cachet all of a sudden and the Phillies become palatable to him and they happen to walk into the deal, I think the Phillies would be stupid to look the other way. But I'm not overextending myself to say, you know, hell yeah, we're going for it in 2019. We're all in. Like, I don't think that that's the— You're not the, a Philly fan. I don't you're think that a, that's the— You're not the, a true Philadelphia yeah, fan. it's not the all-in move, man. It just isn't. See, I disagree. I, I like it. I want it, and I demand it, or I will not watch this. <laughs> I have not been year. satisfied in me, five days. Give me a <laughs> yeah. new toy. Uh, let me ask you this question, because uh, relievers suck, and they're so so constantly rotated, right? Um, do you ever get guys confused from like the current roster and, and days gone by? Because Hector Neris, for some reason, every time I think of him, I think of Antonio Alfonseca. And <laughs> well, I, Hector Naris has I, all five fingers. Yes. Well, no. <laughs> hey, Antonio Alfonseca didn't yeah, just he had five. Had six, he had six. Yeah, he he had six fingers, on both yeah, hands. Six toes. Do you know what it's called when you have six fingers and six toes? I don't know, but I'm sure you it, do. Polydactyl. There you go. He legitimately is polydactyl, and he was called el pulpo, which uh, for those Spanish speakers or Spanish learners out there, that means uh, the octopus. So uh, there you go. He so did you like? When, what? what do you mean you got him mixed up? Like you thought Antonio Alfonseca think, was still on this team, no, 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 or no, no, no. did you Every, think that like, Hector Neris had six fingers? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like they've they've like created this hybrid in my mind where Hector Neris has six fingers. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Who's that guy out there that they uh, sent down to the minor leagues last year? I don't remember his name. What was his name? He was horrible. And he came back oh. up and he had like a he had like a two oh six ERA when he came back up. Oh yeah, that was a six finger, six finger Neris. Yeah. Should have seen his uh, six his six finger split fastball. Huh? Yeah, he did, hasn't pitched since two thousand seven. So <laughs> that Antonio Alfonseca. <laughs> you meant Hector Neris. No. I was like, oh my god, no. what happened last year? So okay. it's been eleven years, but you know, like you said, I, I told you it took a couple years off from baseball. And you can admit it. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just kidding. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, again, long live Uga Thurbina. I'm gonna look. I'm pretty sure he's out on parole. So I'm I'm pretty excited. I think it's a not not terrible idea. Crazy world we live in. 
what else did we need to hit? Was there anything else in the Phillies? Uh, oh, yeah, duh. There was one thing that happened today on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Congratulations to WIP for getting all of those Phillies to talk. It's almost like they have a partnership <laughs> for the broadcast rights for the team. Yeah, um, Bryce Harper today, uh, following up on his uh, his introductory press conference where he alluded to the idea of Mike Trout Ooh. coming in two years, said Ooh. if you don't think he said if you don't think I'm going to call Mike Trout to come to Philly in 2020, you're crazy. I am in love, Bryce Harper, you beautiful man. I never hated you. Oddly enough, I I never really felt the the disdain that I should have felt as a Phillies fan. It was as if my heart knew that someday you would be ours. You know why? Because the Phillies sucked. You know, like oh, that, that's part of it. Because be, since Bryce Harper's been relevant in the major leagues anyway, the Phillies haven't been a competitor, really. So there's nothing to really hate. You're like, oh, Bryce Harper, he just walked us off. We're nine games under 500 now. You know, it's not that goddamn Bryce Harper. Like, there's none of that. So I think that that's a big part of it. But, I mean, Bryce Harper, flashy on the field, but I think he's a very likable guy, very soft-spoken. I think that people that haven't really been paying attention to – like, I can't tell you how many people said, like, I wasn't expecting him to talk like that. Like, what the hell did you expect? You know, he was just so over. Like, yeah, he was very I know, well. I know there's like, and this was like the slack argument was like, how well coached was he? But I think you, you go I think he was that. well like, coached. I, my I dude dropped, do. he dropped multiple Flyers references, Sixers and Eagles. I didn't expect that. If he had talked about Marco Fabian signing with the Philadelphia Union, I would have just, I don't know, taken my shirt off and run, run up and down the street. Like, I don't even know. Like, that also would have been really, well, you know how I feel my neighbors, about him, but like, so. But no, but seriously, like it, it, it really is refreshing in a way. But like the fact that he took that one reporter, I don't know who the guy was, but he's like, oh, back in 1972, I talked to Pete Rose. I don't know if you heard of him, but uh, he signed an $810,000 deal and said, wow, can you believe they paid all that money? Well, here's $330 million. Yeah. Seemed like a lot of money. And he took that comment and and twisted that and put it into being, we're going to go after Mike Tratt in two years. That's why it's structured the way it is. Mike Drop. Thank you. I mean, he yeah. was just so, you know, you say articulate. And then a lot of times, you know, if you say a guy is really well-spoken, the implication is that you thought he was going to be an idiot. And I don't think it was that. Like, I didn't think Bryce Harper was an idiot. But something about him, like, he was more soft-spoken than I expected. And he was just so well-versed on on pretty much anything that was going to check off a Philadelphia sports fan's box. So, like, kudos to him, man. Yeah, I mean, Seriously. I think that he knew what he was doing when he, he mentioned Mike Trout, uh, both indirectly and then directly after the fact. I think he knows that Philly fans are going to eat that up. But, I mean, he's right, and I, I think he's sincere when he says, hey, listen, you know, I have, I'm going to be here for probably 13 years. Of course I'm going to try to recruit the best players to be here. And I appreciate the, the candid nature of those comments, you know. I, I think that he's the type of guy that has the clout that, can actually do it, you know? And if if the whole idea was that throughout the process that he had checked in with Trout to, you know, what are your thoughts on Philadelphia? Is this a good sports city? Is this a place that I would work in? Then how do you not a year or two later turn around and say, like, come join me, you know? And I I think that we don't know where Mike Trout's going to be. I will say this. I, I wonder if Mike Trout comes here or anywhere else in 2021. Or if Mike Trout, I think that there's a good enough relationship between the Angels and Mike Trout that he will, if he does not sign an extension prior to next season, I could see a scenario in which he goes to them and says, look, I'm not going to re-sign here. You've done right by me. You need to trade me and get as much as you can. You know, like, are we going to be talking in the middle of next season where teams are just opening it up and saying, hey, take our best eight prospects, have at it. 
I see no scenario. L- let me just put it like this. I see no scenario where Mike Trout or his agent do that, and that comes out as being the reason that the Angels are looking for a trade. Like, I don't think that the Angels are going to... Like, I think Major League Baseball is more concerned with the image of Mike Trout that they don't want this to look like a prima donna move. They don't want this to look like Anthony Davis going to the Pelicans and saying, you know, it's it's time. Like, I'm not... I don't care about the Supermax extension. Like, I want out. I don't think that's going to be the narrative. I think it is going to be Trout didn't sign the, the extension that was offered to him. He wants to explore free agency, and it's going to remain open-ended like that, even if he goes to the Angels and says, like, I, I'm not coming back. Like, it's, it's over. Go out and get what you can for me. I just think that baseball is going to be so concerned on not making it look like their players are trying to negotiate or work these power plays with their agents that you see in the NBA because it takes a real hit on a, on a guy's credibility. And in baseball, I mean, you think about the the general, uh, the average age of a of a baseball fan. That kind of stuff doesn't play well. You know what I mean? And so, I, I think that's well, part me, of it. Let me throw I, it to you this way. I mean, yeah. so the NBA has obviously been wildly successful, and you know, baseball has had its its share of struggles. Do you think it's possible that Major League Baseball would actually do the exact opposite and say, you know what, Bryce Harper, go ahead, go out and try to recruit the super team, and that will drum up interest? Like, could you imagine the ratings if Mike Trout and Bryce Harper were playing side by side and in, in the outfield for the oh, Phillies? You know, like so, like does it really matter in terms of like credibility and and you know you want to try to sort of downplay the idea that these guys are making backdoor deals talking to one another? Like, it, it doesn't seem to affect the NBA's popularity. I mean, so what's what's the difference? And don't say it because the game's boring. Well, no, it, 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 it's a big difference because what happens is, you know, you look at guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and, and Anthony Davis. Durant's been, you know, pretty condescending to the media because he doesn't want to talk about it because everybody seems to think that he's going to pursue perhaps the Knicks. Kyrie Irving told the Celtics fans before the season that he was going to resign, and now all of a sudden he's gotten cold feet. And Anthony Davis went from being a guy who, like, was looked at as a I don't know, top four, top five big man in the league, to now being this guy who's never won anything, gets injured every year, and now he's, like, trying to work out a power play to go to the Lakers. So, like, he's taken a big hit. And it's not just within his fan base. Like, it's it's a, it's across the league. Super teams in the NBA have have really screwed up the league. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It It is thrown off the competitive balance. In a sense, like, it does make for some really interesting matchups that would typically be a, a playoff match. But, like, ultimately, I I don't know. Like, the Warriors are not good for basketball. They were for, like, a year or two just to try to, you know, bring people in to say, wow, you know, is there anybody that's going to be able to take this team on? But five years of it is too much. I think baseball would be smart to allow these guys to try to make super teams because, again, like, one guy's impact on a lineup isn't nearly as strong as adding one more transcendent player on on a a basketball team. Sure. Right? Yeah, you're right And I think that's why... You know, if, if you're Major League Baseball, I, I think that you might want to see Mike Trout and Bryce Harper get together. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want somebody to go and play with Manny Machado now in San Diego? Other than the fact that, like, you know, they're going to be an interesting story insofar as their their um, farm depth is so great that in the next couple of years, like, they could end up becoming this, this team that was grown the right way. And there's a, a storyline around Manny Machado being the guy that gave them you know, the, the boost they needed and, and is kind of like leading this new group forward. But if you're Major League Baseball, you you have to at least entertain the idea of having a star. The yeah, reason that me, I'm saying that... Let me that, ask like, you a question real quick. Yeah. Just real quick. Um, 
what do you think are like the the top five or just a couple of the top five, maybe even more marketable, well known teams in Major League Baseball? Just like off the top of your head. Well, the the Yankees and Red Sox. Sure, they have to be. I would say the Dodgers are absolutely. The Dodgers have been successful. Yeah. You can make a case that the Giants are. Um, I think you can yeah, make I mean, the case won that three that World Series in the last the, you know, the Cubs, eight years. The Cubs are wildly known, sure. and and I and you probably say St. Louis because everybody thinks back to you know Pujols and Mark McGuire. Mm-hmm. So I say those teams. Yeah, are, I'm in, are I'm in agreement with you, and the, I'm glad you named the teams that you named because I think that one of baseball's problems. You talk about there being a little bit of a fatigue on the Warriors. Yeah, the Dodgers and Red Sox play each other in the World Series last year, and you know. You're talking about coast to coast, two of the more prominent teams in Major League Baseball, major markets, and nobody watched. Nobody cared. And I think that baseball is sort of in a spot now where, yeah, it's great when your big market teams are playing well. But I think that we've all sort of grown tired of, oh, hey, look, the Red Sox are good. That's cool. You know, I think we've seen that now. And and it's no knock on Boston, but, like, I don't think that America's captivated by the idea of a team from New England being successful at this point. The Dodgers have been in the playoffs for the last handful of years, and they keep knocking on the door. They finally get to the World Series. They don't win. But I think that we've all kind of just said, like, yeah, it's the Dodgers. Okay. You know, like, like the thing that hampers the Dodgers is, like, everybody knows what their fans are like, where they show up right. and they leave early. And, like, nobody wants to get behind L.A. as the team to take down New England. Like, sure. even though it's a New England team, it's it's kind of like a, a battle of And that's the same thing enemies, with the Yankees. Right? So, like the, are the Yankees now a sympathetic figure because the Red Sox have had so much recent success? Like, that's a hard narrative to sell. And so yeah. I think that Major League Baseball will benefit from big market teams and even major, or I'm sorry, uh, like mid-market teams that are improving. Like, to get some fresh looks in there, to get some different names in there, I think will be good for the game. Like, a team like Philly, you're talking about a major market, but they've been out of the public eye now for almost a decade. So, them being relevant again, I think, is good for the game. Guy like Manny Machado going out to San Diego, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, well, he's, ultimately, yeah, he's kind of you're on the West Coast. I don't know that, that there's going to be a ton of interest in the Padres inherently. They're going to be really good, I think, especially in a year or two but I do think that just getting a different look getting some new blood getting different players you know and I know that Harper's been a household name for seven years now but I just think that giving the average fan something else to look at with different teams to look at is refreshing and I think that that has a chance to help the game progress a little bit here um, because it, it surely has been it's been hurting the last few years let me play devil's advocate on both of us. Sure. Here's the reason that baseball shouldn't want Mike Trout to go to uh, to Philly to team up with Bryce Harper. There are very few guys in this league, in the, in the sport in general, that are a marketable commodity. There are very few players that if they walked into a bar, any would know, anyone would know who they are. If Nolan Arenado walked into a bar in Philadelphia, how many people would be able to point him out? Nolan Arenado, uh, probably ten percent of the population. Ten percent of Mike the sports walks, fan. If Mike Trout walks into a bar in Milwaukee, how many people are going to know who he is? It's going to be a higher percentage, sure. right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think that's part of the problem that baseball faces. Now, you could say that in theory, having a market like Philly at the top of at the you know the top of the National League would be great for you know five six years, and it could be. It could be awesome. The problem is now you've taken two of the more marketable and two of, of the only really well-known figures in the sport out, you know, to the casual fan. Now you've put them on the same team. You know, is it good for ratings? Sure. Is it necessarily the best thing for the sport? I'm not so sure. Like maybe you do want to have those guys in different markets. Yeah, I would now, tell maybe you it's, that, that maybe Trout, it's Trout, Star, Trout goes, 
Go ahead. I think the Trout Star has been. How about this? Trout Star has been wasted in Los Angeles. I it mean, has been, and no part doubt. of that is because that he is. He's on the wrong team in Los Angeles. Yeah, he hasn't exactly been a willing participant to his own marketing, though. Either you know, that's not really his game. He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to. He doesn't really want to feature himself. Um, but I think that if you put Trout in this city, I mean, you are whatever it is that you're trying to market through or around Mike Trout. You couldn't do it any better in Philadelphia. I mean, it will, he will, he doesn't even have to do anything. The, the fans will do it for him. I mean, his star will just absolutely skyrocket here. So, I mean, and it could in other cities as well. I mean, if he comes in, you know, goes to New York, he goes to Boston, he goes to the Cubs, like, I mean, he would be huge there as well. But I, I think that if the idea is like, let's maximize the star potential of the game's greatest player. This isn't even being a homer because I don't I don't know that that Bryce Harper I think Bryce Harper could have gone elsewhere and we could have seen a similar reaction to this but Trout you don't get any more out of Mike Trout anywhere else that that I believe yeah so no I think you're right so that's what we're gonna do we're gonna talk about Mike Trout for the next two years aren't we six one zero yeah I don't <laughs> I mean, know we are I, we I are guess. I mean you know and and I mean he really he really is the best player in the game and Dude, so what if, if he goes you're going to talk else. about somebody what if he hits free agency and he signs somewhere else like buster signs only put the, out there signs with the mets like, no like buster only put out the uh the phillies and the yankees would be like the two teams yeah but buster only can't resigned. get through a tweet without tweeting about the yankees well look i'm just saying like can you imagine yeah. if trout like me, people were saying if bryce harper doesn't sign with the phillies after all of this is he going to be the most hated sports figure in Philadelphia history? And I'm like, well, he never came out and said he wanted to play here. This is before he signed. Yeah. I'm like, he hasn't done anything, like anything negative to the fans of Philadelphia. He hasn't gone out and said that he wants to sign here and then doesn't, right? If Mike, and like, honestly, Mike Trout has never said he wants to come back and play for the Phillies. It's just everybody thinking, oh, he's a Philly kid. He Millville, New Jersey. It's pretty much Philadelphia East, right? Like... <laughs> If if Mike Trout, have you ever been to Millville? <laughs> no. Oh boy, yeah. I couldn't find it on a map. I know it's something. In, it's in New Jersey. Yeah, I'm a South Look, Jersey guy, and Millville's a special place, man. If, it's uh, a different kind of town. If Mike Trout hits free agency in two years and signs elsewhere, I don't know how he doesn't become one of the biggest villains in Philadelphia sports. It's like I don't care how many times he goes shooting deer with uh, with Carson Wentz. If if the dude doesn't sign here, yeah, no more footballs for him, man. It's like, yeah, seriously, like Zachert throws it in his face, yeah. like actually tries to break his nose actively. Like I don't know, I it's the only thing that I think can go sideways here. But dude, can you imagine after the uh, the sheer abject hell we've been through for eight nine years with this team, if they're able to go out and not only have Bryce Harper, but they can add Mike Trout? Can I say this other thing? Um, I'm a little bit surprised. I'll be honest. I know that that I said that at the press conference, I was surprised with how soft-spoken Harper was. I genuinely thought that if he signed here and signed the biggest contract in baseball history, that he was going to want to be the guy and would not want to have his star questioned. Like, he was going to want to be the brightest star, and Reese Hoskins was going to be a star because he, he grew with this team. But I never foresaw a situation where he would be out actively trying to recruit a guy who is in pretty much every metric better than him. And I think that in of itself is a very fascinating storyline in this whole thing. 
Yeah, I think that that's pretty revealing. I think that that's uh, a good quality, certainly, to have. And I think that it shows you where his priorities are now that he has $330 million in his bank account over the next 13 years. Um, Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, we're so far away from it. I mean, who knows? I I think that the Phillies have a chance to add some really good players over the next year and a half to two years before Mike Trout. So that will be, I I think... I think that this year is really going to be interesting in a lot of ways. You know, not only does how does you know Harper play, but how do the Phillies play, and do they meet expectations? Do they reach the postseason? Do they make a run once they're there? It's going to be really interesting to see how this goes. I think that there's going to be some wiggle room. People are like, well, wait until he strikes out or has his first 0 for 4 game. The Philly fans are going to crush him. I think that the fact that he picked Philadelphia after this prolonged ordeal and the fact that he's out recruiting Le'Veon Bell on, on Instagram. And That's amazing. That was awesome. And like he Ken said all the right things yet. about Trout. I mean, he's killing it right now. And I think that he is buying himself some goodwill. Now, if we look up in the middle of August. Does this mean hitting- that, that Bryce Harper's been inside of the gritty costume this whole time? Yeah. Because the only person who's, who's <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Like, I think it if better. he's hitting 230 in August, we're all going to crush him. But I do think that there's going to be some wiggle room here. I think that he's really – he's won the city over – more than I thought he possibly could have by signing here. I mean, he it's just been unbelievable. This whole response by the city has been unbelievable. The amount of tickets that have been sold, the merchandise that's been sold, the things that he said, the, the excitement around it, it's more than I would have even anticipated. And you're talking to the guy that, that woke up at two in the morning when the tweets came out and started banging out, you know, Mike Trout, or, you know, I'm sorry, Bryce Harper to the Phillies, maybe he said, she said type of stuff. I mean, I thought there was going to be a big response. I didn't see this coming. I'm proud of you. Proud yeah. of all the work that you've done for uh, for the Phillies. And now I look forward to uh, you breaking down the story of some prospect who was down on his luck. Yeah, we're back to that you know, he's, now. He's a rookie. He's 36 years old. And the game had, had, had left him by the wayside. And he never gave up hope. And there was a little boy with a terminal illness who told him, go back out there and win one for me. Is that, and that, that little boy survived. And now... Dennis Quaid. Oh God! Is there- Yo, did you see like on that on that vein? Like, did did you see the uh, little kid that um like his parents like told him when he got oh, off yeah, the yeah. bus? Oh yeah, yeah, the the little boy who um who lost his eye to cancer, right? Did I lose you? Ah, uh, you just lost me. I'm there, back. There you are. All right. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The little boy who lost his eye to cancer. Yeah, I, I saw that. It was really that was nice. awesome. Yeah, it was a really cool story. They actually really cool. played it at the uh, cool. press conference and all. Yeah, it was neat. Yeah, so, I don't know. I don't know where I went. Story. I came back to you though. All right. Well, you what do you got? Anything just else like, you want to wrap Just like up? many fans in the Phil- in the <laughs> yeah. Delaware Valley are going to come back to the Phillies. See yeah. that? There you go. Uh, there were some other things that happened in Philadelphia sports that I don't think we really need to hit on. The Sixers won tonight. Isaac Samalo uh, signed a an extension. His hair. He had a new hairstyle. He looked like uh, Umaga from <laughs> WWE days. There we go. We got our wrestling reference so in well for this rounded. week. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about life. Yeah. Same. How about you? Are you, are you good just, now? You know what I'm saying? Do you feeling? feel better? Like this, I do. I this, feel so much better. This honestly feels like uh, um, you've been waiting for Christmas Day yeah. or Hanukkah, like whatever you're into. And, you know, it, it's been building for a few months and you didn't know if it was going to happen or not. And you've been cutting out the coupons. And yeah, like, like I didn't know. Or like cl- cutting out Santa the ads and like, come? Yeah. yeah, like sliding them under your parents' pillow and like in their coffee, like literally in their coffee in Xbox 360 ad. And, uh, and then one day... You just find out that, you know, your your parents couldn't seal that deal, so they sent your nerdy cousin to go broker the piece, and he came back and he delivered that Xbox 360. Sure it's great, did. and yeah, it's great. Let me ask you something: Do you sure. feel like your uh, voice 
on a podcast is the same as it is when you write? No. Because like that. Well, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, like I'll tell you, um, and the, you know, the people listening at this point, which it, it, I don't even know why you are, but thanks for hanging in there. Um, you know, the other day I got an email and, and someone complained about <laughs> Kevin. What was it? King Curd. King Curd. Yeah, Kevin King Curd, and uh, what was it? C W Banks. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, Who like, but C W Banks. <laughs> Banks. For all your paper needs. So the guy goes like, you know, can that dude get through one baseball story without like sexualizing another male athlete? And I'm like, you know, like, sorry that I'm having fun. Like, sorry that Bryce Harper is a beautiful man and he has great hair and I'm very excited and we're just joking around having fun with it. But another person actually emailed me directly um, and they were like, you know, the thing that's really kind of crazy is I listened to Crossed Up and I listened to you talk about baseball and you're you know, very factual and you use a lot of statistics and you're sort of reserved. But then when I read your writing about the team, not that you don't incorporate those things, but then you're writing about, you know, John Middleton unfurling him, you know, his dot, dot, dot wallet and financial package and, you know, making these like weird jokes. And someone was like, your voice writing is so much different than what it is on your show. And I mean, that's because I, I don't want to talk like that verbally, I guess. But like that's why I wonder, like, is that a thing that everyone else kind of goes through? Like, do you feel like everything kind of lines up for you? Or do you feel like your voice is different when you speak it versus when you write? I super censor myself on both. So I don't know. I, I think yeah, I'm, I think I'm that that's really what it comes down to. I'm like, you know, you, you really don't know, man. Like if, if we pulled off all the sensors and just let it rip, it would probably oh, be a lot different. If you pulled off different. all the sensors, like you would get a very, you'd get a, a wildly different take from me on, on a lot of things. Yeah, um, I, I I'm sure say, that kind of is the case with everybody. I say, but like, I would say my slack, uh, my slack voice might be a little bit more like uh, what my regular voice would yeah. be. Uh, like yeah. I want to put together like a quasi serious show, and I mean most of the stuff that comes out of my mouth verbally is completely ridiculous, and so well, that's why like, like, I have a hard time finding the balance between those two things. Well, and and this is the the argument that I think you know comes up in Slack every once in a while, just about the site in general. It's the thing that I I kind of keep coming back around to, and it's you know I think that that pretty much anybody who's on staff has the ability to go in and and write a real think piece to write in a way that can, you know, really do an excellent job of of weaving in analytics in pretty much any of the sports and and do it in a way that would be a standout piece on any site. But the fact is that I think a lot of the people who read the site are not necessarily looking for that. I think there is a, a larger portion now that know that it's available to the site. But I think there are people who still go by what Crossing Broad was at its inception, which I would say it was a little bit more. Well, it definitely was a little. You know, was more gossip based, right? It was. It was like sure. TMZ Philly ish for sports, and that's not to say that it was a bad thing. It's just that now, like you can still get that, but you can also get you know Kevin doing a breakdown on a set that Brett Brown runs after timeouts in the third quarter, and like the video breakdown and everything that goes with it. You can get Anthony with his sources giving you like the real story about like what's going on with the Flyers. You know, your stuff, you are capable, more than capable, more than well-versed in explaining why a guy's struggling at the plate in something that goes just beyond the numbers, but actually breaking down why something in his swing is wrong and how he could possibly correct it because you understand that. But the fact is that that kind of stuff gets buried on the site. It's like it's there and it gets a lot of views. And then, you know, we have other stuff that people really want to see. So like, you know, if if one of us goes and puts together a really well thought out piece, you know, 
Bryce Harper signing kind of kind of buried that stuff, and it's okay, you know. And I think that that kind of is one of those. Yeah, things I think that, that we struggle with this within each individual sport. I mean, last year, you know, I would I wrote a, a piece about like Nick Pavetta's slider and yeah. how it it kind of lost bite in the middle of the season at one point. And that, that requires a lot of research. I posted a bunch of charts. I explained them. And it was, a, I thought, a pretty solid piece. And, you know, you get a decent readership on it. And people kind of go, oh, that's cool. You can do it. And I think every now and then you have to show that you have that in you. But I think a lot of times you come to the site and you're expecting to see, like, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, you know, weird sexual innuendo reference, um, fart noise. And here's a tweet. And that's what people come for, right? So you kind of go, like, do I want to, do I want to, bang out a four-hour piece with research on something or do I want to make a couple jokes and then we can all move on and and do it again you know yeah. and I think that that's I think like it's the, the it's the line it's the line that we tell like yeah. there, there were things like during the flyer season like every once in a while I'll go out and do like a player profile piece and and I'm I'm happy with how that kind of stuff turns out and it usually gets you know pretty good traction but if like gritty does something goofy like goes streaking at the stadium series game like that's gonna crush yeah you know for for better or worse it's just the way that it is but I don't know. I, I think that's going to be one of those things. Like as we go forward, I think, you know, I think the balance is, is getting there. And I, you know, I think ultimately people know that they're going to be able to go to the site for, you know, a, a really solid analysis of games in a way that's not going to make you feel like you need to pop three Advil before you read it. And, and I, I think that's one thing I'm looking forward to with the Philly season is now the season is setting up to be a good one. It's setting up to be an exciting one. And uh, somebody who understands the game like you, you know, doing the breakdowns the way that you can in a way that um, is approachable and is also informative is something that's going to, you know, continue to set the site apart. So there we are. And uh, and that's that. So a uh, big thank you, as always, uh, to everybody who listens to uh, Crossing Broadcast. Thanks for listening. Go follow Bob on Twitter at BW Crossing Broad and uh, follow me on Twitter at Joy on Broad. Go into the description. You can find our um, our Twitter handles there. Click on those and you can follow us there. Uh, go check out the other shows on Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossed Up, which Bob hosts with Anthony. Um, and they released the uh, the big emergency pod after they signed Bryce Harper. Go check out It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with uh, myself and Kevin Kincaid. And um, Crossing Broad FC at some point. And I'm trying to think if I'm missing anything. I don't think I am. I think we got... Oh, yes, Snow the Goalie. There will be a new episode of uh, Snow the Goalie going on as uh, the Flyers play the uh, Washington Capitals on Wednesday. So make sure you tune into the Press Row Show, and we'll have a new episode of, uh, of Snow the Goalie going up. So for Bob, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.